We continue our discussion about resurrection, and inshallah this will be our last session on resurrection. After defining the concept of death and who would be receiving the soul, there is a discussion in the book about fear or yearning. You know, there is no doubt that most of people have fear with respect to death. Even they don't want to think about it. They don't want to hear about death. They don't want to pass by a, a graveyard or cemetery. cemetery. Uh, on the other hand, we find that some awliyaullah, some friends of God, some saints, they have yearning for death. So which one is correct? For example, Imam Ali salam in Sermon 5 of Nafil Balagha says, Wallahi labnu Abi Talib anasu bil maut min at-tifli bi By Allah, the son of Abu Talib is more acquainted with death than a child with first of his mother. So a child you know, when it's hungry, thirsty, because both food and water for the child comes from mother. So a child, even for a sleeping, if the mother carries the child, you know, it's comfortable. But Imam says, I am more acquainted with, I have more ons. Ons means acquaintance, you know, like a kind of very close relation. Ons. Yeah. You know, Anis is the one who gives you comfort by his company. You know, we have uh, in uh, our invocations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya Anisa man la Anisa la. You know, sometimes people have no one to give them acquaintance. Allah is their you know, acquaintance. So, this is the meaning of ons. So, Amir al-Mumin says he has this much of acquaintance with death, this much of familiarity and, you know, yearning. Or, <coughs> Imam Hussain in his sermon before leaving Mecca, I think it was given in Mena. He says, "Khutta al-maut ala wulda Adam, mahatta al-qilada ala jid al-fatat." 
for the children of Adam, death is like neglect for women, young girls. You know, they have the, uh, from gold or jewelries as a decoration. They like it, you know, as a beautification. Imam Hussein says, for the sons or children of Adam, for human beings, death is like that. Or Ali Akbar says, Death is sweeter than honey. So which one is the right approach? To be frightened of death, to be yearning for death. Shall we ask Allah to, you know, let us die, don't die as soon as possible? What should we do? This needs a comprehensive discussion, but briefly, you should investigate your emotions and feelings and find out what are the roots of fear. Sometimes people are afraid of death because they have not done anything for their akhirah. You know, imagine if you have two houses, one in city A, one in city B. And you have spent all your time and energy and resources on the house in city A. The house in city B you have abandoned. You have never been there. You have never looked after it. You have never spent on it. You don't know what condition it has. Is it good condition, bad condition? Maybe there is damp, leakage, you know. Everything is cut off, you know, electricity, gas, you know, telephone. Maybe neighbors have, you know, I don't know, broken, you know, glasses, whatever. You don't know the condition. But you have a nice house in city A. You live there. You work for it. You have taken all the necessary measures to protect it. You have made you know, garden, you know. So for sure you don't want to leave this place and go to that place. Even if you know that you have a house there. But you don't know what's the condition. Many people are afraid of death because they have spent all their time and energy on dunya. They have not done anything for akhirah. So they don't want to leave dunya. They are attached to dunya. For some people, leaving dunya is as painful as being detached from the most, you know, important things in your life. You know, imagine, for example, imagine if I'm a scholar and I have spent tens of years on collecting notes and information and thoughts to produce a book. Now a thief wants to come and, you know, take this from me. And I think of all these years that I have worked on this, and this is the only copy that I have, and it's not yet published. You know how painful it is? But this is not only taking you your book, at the same time taking your children from you, your you know, parents from you, your community from you. Everything that you have is being taken away from you. So it's very painful if you don't have anything else to hope. But people who have been working for their Akhirah and have been saving in their Akhirah accounts 
whatever they did here, you know, they made sure that also they do it for Akhirah, or at least they do something for dunya, something for Akhirah. A moment, even worldly things that he does, he does it for his Akhirah. But at least half of it, part of it, he has put in Akhirah as a saying. Now, the only worry that Mu'min has is not because he's attached to dunya. He's, he knows that his saving for Akhirah is not enough. So some Mu'mineen are worried about death, not because they're attached to dunya, because they are aware that it's very challenging situation to be present before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, before all the prophets and imams, before people, and then you are questioned. And you feel you don't have enough, you know, answer, sufficient answer, you don't have enough provision. Amir al Mu'min says, My provision is very little, the journey is very long, I have to do it myself. No one can, you know, come and take my burden. You run away even from you know, your relatives, if of course you are not muttaqi. So, mu'min have not fear in the negative sense. They have worry. They have concerns. And therefore, this concern is good. Because it makes you work for your akhirah. How can we test whether we have a positive worry or we have a negative worry or fear? Do you know how we can test? Because we can deceive ourselves. You know, maybe I'm attached to dunya, but uh, I say, no, I'm not attached to dunya. I am worried about my akhirah. Have I done enough or not? How can I test? If it makes you struggle more. One is to look at my way of life. Does my way of life show that I am doing something for Akhirah or I am not, I'm just accumulating money and you know this. This is one thing. The other thing, you can test yourself. If you are sad that even if you live longer, you are not going to improve, indeed your situation becomes worse. Will you wish to die sooner or not? Yeah. You are told that definitely your situation is not going to improve and the way you are acting is going to become worse. Tomorrow is worse than today, and the day after tomorrow is worse than tomorrow. If you have been worried about Akhirah, but you know that you are not going to improve and you are going to become better, you know, worse, so you have to wish for your death. Imam Sajjad salam says, Ilahi, ammirni ma kana umri bidlatan fi Oh Allah, please prolong my life as long as my life is going to be spent for your obedience. If my life is going to become marta, you know where you know you take your cattle to 
feed them, you know, there are grass and other, you know, things. This is called Marta. If my life has become a place for feeding shaitan, Please take me away from this dunya before your anger is fixed on me. So if I know that by being here more, I would add to my problems and not you know, to improve, then I should wish to die sooner. So this is a test. Those who are attached to dunya, they don't bother whether the situation is going to become better or worse. They just want to be here. Even, you know, if it is 1,000 years, you know, they say, we want to be here 1,000 years. They don't have any worry about Akhirah. Their only worry is about dunya. You know, there's a funny story, which is maybe funny, but I think it's meaningful, very meaningful. There was a person who was known to be very pious. You know, we call mustajab al-da'wah. Have you heard mustajab al-da'wah? It means someone whose du'as are accepted by Allah. Allah answers to his du'as. Mustajab al-da'wah. So, there was a tyrant, king, ruler, said to him, please pray for me. He said, may Allah kill you. He said, I told you to pray for me, not you know, to curse me. He said, I prayed for you. Because the sooner you die, the better for you and for people. So I really wanted good for you. This is the way he, of course, prayed for him. Uh, if I was in his place, maybe we would have asked, may Allah guide you. And, but if was no chance for guidance then maybe if his life was not used more for crimes but better for him anyway sometimes you know for some people to die sooner it could be a blessing because you don't know what you are going to do if you live longer yeah maybe in future I'm going to become much worse than what I am so I should take this as a blessing if Allah knows my situation is going to become worse then there are people who are very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are so close to Allah and they have so much of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they just miss him very badly and they so much miss him that for them remaining in this dunya is very painful they remain in dunya just because this is their beauty. They have to be pleased with Allah's decision. But they feel in dunya like a prisoner. You know, if you are in prison, you don't want to run from you know, prison because it's illegal. <laughs> you have to remain in the prison. It's illegal to run. But you count days for your release. Amir al-Mu'min says in Khutbatul Muttaqin, Had it not been that their ajal is fixed, their deadline is fixed, لَن تَسْتَقِرَّ أَرْوَاهُهُمْ فِي أَجْسَادِهِمْ 
their souls would not remain in their bodies tarfata'ain even for an eyes blink shawqan ila thawab wa khawfan min al-iqab because of the yearning that they have for heaven and meeting Allah and for the fear that they have about hell so they are just on the edge of dunya you know if you are going to be released where do you stay just next to the gate of the prison <laughs> you want to be clo as close as, as possible to the free world <laughs> so a moment doesn't go deep into dunya a moment is on the surface of dunya on the edge of dunya just waiting for release so that he can go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you have this approach, actually your life in dunya becomes much easier. Less stress, less worries, and even you can enjoy your dunya more. Yeah? You know, how much a moment enjoys from looking at a flower? A moment looks at flower and it's energized. A person who is not moment may look at flower, enjoy, may not enjoy. Because the experience of moment is totally different. You know, when you go to a garden, and you know that this garden is made by your father or grandfather, you enjoy more. A person who is not moment goes to nature, and doesn't know who is the garden of this nature <laughs> and whether there has been any garden or not feels a stranger but a moment goes to the nature and knows that this is made by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is closer to me than my father or grandfather so it's different experience everything has a signature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know when you go to, if you go to your father's home you know and uh, your father has passed away may Allah inshallah keep your parents for you if they are alive but if you know you go back to your home where you know your father used to live you know say my father did uh, made this you know for example room he painted here you know he made this you know table for us we used to sit here for breakfast everything reminds you of your father or your mother yeah so a moment wherever he goes he's reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah made this flower for me. Allah made, you know, these children for me. Allah has given me these friends. Allah has given me honor. Allah has given me health. Allah has given me this eye, this ear. So everything is more enjoyable for you. When you eat bread, please, you know, from now on, change your attitude if your attitude has not been like this. Anything that you eat, you see, Spend some time on reflecting. Don't just quickly eat food or you know, drink, you know. Look at how this is produced and cooked and now is available for you. First of all, how many people have worked on this? You know, for a soil that is used, for example, for growing, you know, wheat, if I'm not mistaken, I think every uh, like gram or something, it takes 300 years or something like this to become soil for 
farmings. It's not easy to have a soil. Then growing the farmers who have worked, then to make it flour, then someone who has made the bread. So it's not easy. Take it seriously. Sometimes I think the way we treat objects around us is very disrespectful. Why? Because it's like, for example, I go to a place, there are 30, 40 people, I don't greet anyone. And I just do my job quickly and go out. This is not respectful. When you go to a park and you see trees and gardens, greet them. And greeting them is by acknowledging that they are creatures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Respect them. When food is called fruits, there is a tray of fruits, apple, orange, you know, grape. Respect each of them. Each of them is a blessing, is a jewelry. It's not easy, you know, they are, don't take them for granted. Just think how they have been created. So, a woman would enjoy a moment has endless reasons to enjoy his life. Endless reasons to enjoy your life. It's not the moment doesn't you know, enjoy his life. But he knows that his greater pleasure still has not come. You know, a person told Imam Hassan alayhi salam, you know, he, he was very poor and Imam Hassan alayhi salam was in a very you know, good condition. He said, you say dunya is sejnul mu'min, but look at your situation and my situation. I am where you have, you know, for example, horse, you have, you know, good dress, you know, you have position. So Imam Hassan according to this hadith, told him, what I am going to have and what I have now is the reason why dunya is sejnul mu'min. Because I am in a situation which is much Less than what I am going to have in future. But for you, this is like a palace compared to what you are going to have, for example. So, I am explaining, I'm not saying the exact word of Imam, I'm just explaining the concept. So, woman can be very much enjoying his life in dunya, but still, he knows that the greatest part has not yet come. This is like just a trailer. <laughs> the greatest part is coming. Like, you know, they show you a trailer of the holiday resort that you are going to be there. You enjoy looking at trailer, but you are not yet there. <laughs> when you go there, you enjoy more. So, this is a very important discussion. I just made it very short. That why some people are worried about death. It can be because they are attached to dunya. It can be because they are worried about what they have done for their akhirah, and I gave you a test. After death, then there is barzakh. And barzakh in Arabic means gap or interval. Marajal bahrain yaltaqiyan baynahuma barzakhun la yabghiyan. Two seas or oceans that come next to each other but they don't mix because there is a gap. This dunya is not connected to akhirah directly. It's not that when we die quickly, there is day of judgment. There is a gap. 
There is a, another world that we go. That is called Barzakh. And the reason is that Muslim scholars were inspired by this ayah, Surah Mu'minun, ayah 100. Hatta idha ja'a ahadahumul maut, 99, and then 100. Hatta idha ja'a ahadahumul maut, qala rabbir ja'oon la'alli a'malu salihan fi ma tarak. When their death comes, says, you know, please, my Lord, send me back so that I do something good with what I have left. Then Allah says, Kalba. Innaha kalimatun ubaqa iluha wa min wara'ihim barzakhun ila yawm yub'afun. And in front of them, there is a barzakh till the day of resurrection. So before them is a barzakh till they are resurrected. Any person, when he or she dies, would go to Barzakh. Barzakh is not the grave. You shouldn't think Barzakh is grave. Although sometimes we look at, uh, you know, text and the scriptures, it talks about grave pressure of grave. You know, or for example, Al Qabr Emma Rawdatun Min Riyadh Al Jannah or Hufratun Min Hufar Al Niran. Grave can be a garden of the gardens of heaven. Can be hole of the holes of hell. But this is symbolic. Otherwise, not that grave, you know, that you, for example, put a camera and see what happens to the body. Body may be in good condition or bad condition. It doesn't necessarily reflect the condition of the soul. Maybe a person's body is burnt. Okay? For example, some criminals burnt someone's house. And this person, mazloom, is burnt. Don't say, oh, this means that uh, he's also now being burnt in Barzakh. No. What happens to body would not necessarily reflect the situation of Barzakh. Maybe a person is not buried. There is no Qabr. But this doesn't mean that he is no, <laughs> not in Barzakh. So when we say pressure of grave, it's symbolic. It means pressure in Barzakh. Even... If he's not buried, if he has no grave, his body totally, you know, destroyed. If he has, I don't know, been dying in the sea and, you know, so there is no soil to put his... This is symbolic. What is important is, after we die, when our soul leaves this body, this worldly body, belongs to another body, which we call Badane Methali. Badane Methali or Badane Barzakhi. There would be another body which doesn't have physical mass. Okay? Like for example, when you dream and you see people, do you see them with body or without body? You see them with body. You don't see the soul. You see the, them in body. But that, that body is not three-dimensional, it's not, you know, for example, uh, physical mass, it's not, for example, heavy, it's a lighter body, okay? It's not corporeal, it's not physical, it's not material like dunya. 
but I still there is a body. Some people, as soon as they die, they start enjoying themselves. Very pious people. As soon as they die, it's their comfort. It's their pleasure. Some very, very bad people, as soon as they die, their suffering starts. But there are people in between, average people, that maybe for them most of the experience is like sleeping. One of the names of Qabr, you know, grave is Marqat. Marqat means the place of sleeping. Man ba'athana min marqadina. Who has raised us from our place of sleeping? So some people just sleep. Some people enjoy, some people suffer. Then, at the end of Barzakh, there would be a trumpet will be blown and everyone will die those who are in dunya they all die so they all join the people in Barzakh and then another trumpet will be blown they all will be resurrected so the day of judgment the day of resurrection starts when the day of resurrection starts no worldly means would help you. No worldly connection would help you. For example, you say in dunya, why was, uh, for example, a leader, I had millions of followers. It's not going to help. I had a big company, I, you know, I had lots of employees, it's not going to help you. I had lots of money, I had lots of car. I have a big family, I have lots of, you know, brothers and cousins, nothing will help you. Because these are worldly means. This is like the currency of one country that cannot be accepted in another country. You have to transform them. But we don't have any exchange place in the second country. You have to do it before traveling. You have to say, no, I take my money there and I exchange it, no. You have to exchange it in dunya. So you have, you have anything worldly, transform it and send it so that when you are there, it's there for you. If you say, no, I take it with me. You know, some people uh, in some traditions, when they bury someone, they bury with him something that he can use. Even they used to bury horse with someone who dies. They bury, you know, dress, jewelry, money, food. Say, because when he's resurrected, he has all of this. This is a very wrong you know, idea. It's not going to benefit them. It's just waste. One of uh, our brothers you know, was telling me that in a place you know, in the U.S. he went for a funeral and they had this custom that they buried the dead person with suit, with watch, with shoes, but everything new. It's not that, for example, they bury him with his shoes or you know, they buy new watch, maybe hundreds or thousands of dollars, new shoes, new suit, everything, and they bury. What is this? Is he going to benefit from this? Is it just a waste of money? So you can give this to poor people on behalf of this person. 
Even you shouldn't, you know, bury the old you know, things, you know, if a person can use them. Yeah, he has a watch, give it to someone to use it. He has a dress, give it. But even if you want to bury, why you buy new things? It's a waste. But unfortunately, some people don't have one. They know that there would be a life for this person. He's going to need something. But they don't know how to respond. So, anything worldly, any connection would not work. Even the people that in dunya were very close to you, they would run away from you, and you would run away from you, because everyone, لِكُلِّمْرٍ مِنْهُمْ يَوْمَئِذٍ شَعْنٌ يُغْنِي or شُعْلٌ يُغْنِي Anyone there has so much of troubles that he would not, you know, look after other people. Except مُتَّقِينَ Muttaqin are different, I will explain. Don't say, how is it possible? No, it's possible. Even in dunya, sometimes, you know, when you see, when problem happens, sometimes brothers don't help each other. Sometimes, you know, husband, wife don't help each other. In dunya, this can happen. You see, even, for example, sometimes in very challenging times, you know, for example, in Ramyul Jamarat, you see how people sometimes, they are so much stressed, maybe even unknowingly, they become, you know, cruel, maybe unknowingly. You know, if God forbid you are in a place and there are hundreds or thousands of people and there is a fire, fire break, and people want to go and save themselves, may, they may not think about, you know, other people. And many people can get killed, you know, in this even process. The pressure is great. Even the mothers who have little kids to foster, they may forget their children. <laughs> the pressure is great. But those who are pious, they remain again considerate and kind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, all the friends become enemies except the pious people because their friendship was based on piety and they would remain as friends. Those who were not your good friends and their friendship harmed you in dunya you would see that in reality they were your enemies. And this will become manifest on the Day of Judgment. Husband, wife, parents, children, brothers, sisters, they run away from each other. But those who are pious, they don't run away from each other. There is a very beautiful hadith that on the day of judgment, when someone is judged and he can go to heaven, he would be told, Alhamdulillah, you passed all the tests and you can go to heaven. Then he would see that unfortunately his family cannot join him because they have not had enough food. He would not forget them. Say, okay, let me go and, you know, 
Because he's a mu'min. He has rahmah. He says, Oh Allah, whatever I had done, I had done for me and for them. I had done everything for myself and for them. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Put his good actions for them without reducing his reward. It's not that, for example, now we have to divide. Okay, how many people were in your family? So we divided. Oh, you don't have enough. <laughs> for one person was enough, but for five people is not enough. Allah says no. And this is mentioned also in the Quran. This is the hadith, but it's a commentary of this verse in the Quran. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَاتَّبَعَتْهُمْ ذُرِّيَّتُهُمْ بِإِيمَانٍ أَلْحَقْنَا بِهِمْ ذُرِّيَّتَهُمْ وَمَا أَلَتْنَاهُمْ مِنْ عَمَلِهِمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ I hope I didn't uh, misread the Quran, uh, but I think it's like this. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who are faithful and their progeny also are faithful. We let the progeny to join them. But we don't reduce their amal. It means that we don't divide it. We don't extract part of it. We say, okay, this much for you, this much we give. No. We make everyone benefit from the saving of this father or mother. That's the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But they should have the basic. If they are, you know, not <laughs> mu'min at all, if they are, you know, eight against, you know, faith at all, then, of course, they don't benefit. Maybe there is another way they can benefit, but they don't go to heaven with him. So, there is a possibility of keeping the relation. The condition is if the relation was a relation based on Iman, on Taqwa. Otherwise, all the worldly means will stop functioning. Then, in Barzakh, there is questioning, but very, very basic. In Barzakh, you will not be asked about everything. In Barzakh, you will be asked about most fundamental things. When someone is in grave, he would be asked about his Lord, his religion, which book he believed, you know, basic, most basic things. And this is why we do talqeen. When someone is put in grave, we say, you know, if the angels, two angels come to you and ask you, who is your Lord? Who is your prophet? Who is your Imam? Who is your, you know? So these are the things that we uh, do talqeen. Why we do talqeen? These are very simple things. Because the pressure of death may make you forget even your name, let alone to forget your, your religion. You can forget. We help them. On the Day of Judgment, there is very, very detailed questioning. In Barzakh, it's not that detailed. In the Day of Judgment, every little thing will be asked. Even you will be asked about your thoughts, your intention, your ideas. Everything will be asked. There are only some people who are exempted, according to the Quran. 
المخلصون not مخلصين المخلصون they will not be brought for questioning مخلصون means those who are purified you know the difference between مخلص and مخلص مخلص is the one who tries to purify himself his action his intention but a higher state is مخلص those who are purified like you have متقرب and مقرب متقرب is seeking closeness but مقرب is the one who is brought nearer by Allah so you can go up to certain stage then after that Allah takes over you make sure that you get close to his house then he comes out of the house and takes you in okay even going towards his house he brings his house closer to you hadith qudsi says man taqaddama ilayya shibran ataqaddamu ilayhi dhira'an taqaddam ilayhi if you come you know like one uh, what do you call this uh, uh, distance hand span hand span i come this much this much what is called zara arm span arm span if you come hand span to one i come arm span if you walk towards me i run towards you so it's not that he waits but then a time comes that you have exhausted yourself then from that point everything is done by him this is why it's called muqarrab muqarrab is the one that allah takes over and bring him closer to himself or mukhlas or mutahhar you have mutatahhir and you have mutahhar you know in the quran allah when he talks about masjid quba says fihi rajalun yuhibbuna an yatatahharu there are people inside that masjid that love to be pure you have they love to be seeking purity but so there is a difference between mutatahir and mutahhar mutatahir is the one who is trying to be pious to be pure he's trying and Allah helps him. But then a stage comes that Allah takes over and He purifies you completely. Okay? So we have mukhlas, we have muqarrab, we have mutahhar, we have muzakka. All of them are similar. It means that you have reached a level that then Allah takes over completely. So, apart from mukhlasin, all will be presented for questioning. And the questioning is not easy. We have to ask Allah, inshallah, to make it easy for us. You know, there is ayah in the Quran, يَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ They have fear of bad reckoning. What is سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ does it mean that they will be unjust? They will not be fair? No. 
He said, you know, I owe him something, but I don't have to give him back. And he puts pressure on me. So Imam Sadr spoke to that person. You know, Why you put pressure on your brother when you know he doesn't have to give you? He said, I'm not doing zulm to him. I am asking my right. I gave him, for example, 100 dirham. I'm asking him to give me my 100 dirham. I don't ask him more. And the time has come. It's due. Then Imam Sadiq said, what is this ayah? What is su'ul hasab? You think su'ul hasab is that they would ask you more? They would do zulm to you? Su'ul hasab is to ask you exactly what you owe. To bring all the details into your attention. This is su'ul hasab. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to treat us not only with justice, we ask him to treat us with favor. If he treats us just according to the requirements of justice, it's still terrible. He's not going to do zulm, but even if he's going to be just, it's terrible. He said, you know, please be gracious with us. Please, you know, have favor upon us. Please overlook many things. Please you know, ignore many things. Please forgive us. Even just the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if mentions to us our sins and he says, I'm going to forgive you, it would be embarrassing. Yeah? Because for a moment, his or her honor and dignity is very important. Yeah? Imagine in the presence of all prophets and imams and people you are told you have done this you have done this you have done this even they are shown but you are forgiven even this would be embarrassing this is why we have to be very careful not to do anything bad because all these bad things will be shown unless either you have asked Allah to cover them and Allah covers them or they are wiped out because we have different levels. Uh, I, maybe I mentioned uh, this very quickly. That in one paper about God's mercy, understanding God's mercy, I mentioned this, you can find it on internet. The eighth part of understanding God's mercy. That there are four different types of forgiveness, as far as I have understood. Sometimes is just general forgiveness. You are forgiven. Sometimes it's takfir sayyat. Not only you are forgiven, your sins are covered. Always ask Allah to cover your sins. Because if sins are disclosed in dunya or akhirah, this would be embarrassing. So on the day of judgment, some people come and see their sins are covered. No one can see. Even maybe they cannot see their sins. But then there is a problem. Because if the records of your a'mal are given to you, 
and there are areas which are covered, you know, like tipex. Then people say, oh, <laughs> you are forgiven, but there must be something here. <laughs> Imagine, you know, if a criminal is forgiven and it's mentioned in his CV that he has, uh, you know, done this, it's a threat, very bad. If they don't mention, but they just keep it silent or cover, you know, four years, don't ask us about those four years. <laughs> no one is going to give him a job, you know, marry him, you know, because they see he has four years which are covered for protection. So, therefore, we have a higher level. After takfir al-sayyat, we have mahr Mahm means to wipe out. No? So there is no trace of the sin. Even there is no mention of being covered or, you know, it's done so professionally that you don't see anything here covered. You know? This is Mahu Sayyat. And there is a still something higher. What is higher than Mahbu Sayyad? And this is only for Allah. I don't think anyone else does this. Exactly. Very good. Not only he forgives, not only he covers, not only he wipes up, he puts good deeds in the place of bad deeds. You were a drug dealer and you repented. Now Allah says he was serving people. He was serving me. He was doing charity. He rewards you for those years that you spent on doing bad things. But you changed yourself. You repented. He rewards you. And even Imam Sajjad says, Ya Mubaddil Sayyat min al Not only he transforms them into good deeds, he transforms them into good deeds and multiplies. Okay? If you had given one dirham or one pound, for example, charity. The minimum is ten. Yeah? If you give one pound, it becomes ten pounds. The minimum. It's ten times more. Now, one pound you spent on haram gambling, for example. Not only Allah would forgive and full cover and wipe out, but also put <coughs> that you have done this on good thing. And he again multiplies so that you don't lose anything. So if you go back to Allah really, then you can even gain what you have lost over those years. If from now on you are honest with Allah and you really you know, try to be good, he helps you to gain back those years that you lost. Who is the one 
that you have been disobeying him and rebelling against him. And now after you ask for forgiveness, he rewards you and pays you for those years that you were rebellious. You know, it's like, for example, you had an employee that for a few years he ran away and he was helping your rival. You know, the business, very difficult business. You know, there's Allah and Shaitan. Of course, Shaitan is not at the level of Allah, but you know, people work for Allah or for Shaitan. So someone has left Allah and worked for Shaitan for many years. Now he realized he made mistake. He says, I want to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, okay, you are forgiven. From now you work for me, I will pay you. But also how many years you work for shaitan? I'm going to pay you for that as well. Who is going to do this? No one will do this. So we have to appreciate Allah's mercy and love try to inshallah do whatever we can to show that we appreciate we cannot do anything for Allah <laughs> we cannot do anything for him but we can do for people we can do for religion so that inshallah we say we have done something the rest of the discussion in the book is about uh, shafa'ah and I think inshallah we will uh, maybe have this the beginning of the next session, the first inshallah day after the holiday, inshallah. Wa akhir da'wan and alhamdulillah, rabbil alam.